0: advocate podcast. My guest today is Sean. Sean is a female veteran who is a person that was down on her luck for a while. And luckily, she got hooked up with Passageways. And Jennifer from Passageways really stepped up in a big way to help Shawn out of her situation. Uh, She got her a couch. She got her some kitchen furnishings. She really helped her network with some other people that helped her get out of her situation. Shawn has nothing but awesome things to say about Passageways. So I want to share this story with you guys today because it's really compelling. She just has so much passion for helping other people and the help that she got through Passageways has inspired her to go back to school. And she wants to study criminal justice. And she wants to help kids who are getting caught up in the criminal justice system. And she really has a big heart. And you can really tell by the tone of her voice that she has nothing but love for passageways and helping other people. So give it up for Sean.
1: And then Jennifer. Well, I haven't officially met Susan face to face. But I- yes, I did when they brought me my furniture. Um, Jennifer... Getting me already. She found me right after I had just actually been placed from being homeless. You know, VA services helped me get a roof over my head, but that was it. I was on my own after that. And, you know, I'd lost everything. And uh, by the grace of God, Jennifer found me and uh, she scooped me up. And within a day, I had everything for my apartment that you need um that was hard cause she took me and she said get whatever you need and, and brand new nice everything sheets towels cooking stuff and uh I was like no no just one blanket she's like she started putting stuff in there for me She seen and uh Military people are prideful. We've got a lot of pride, and it's hard for us to accept charity. Very hard. Very hard. But we need it, and we need people like Jennifer to be proactive with us and to say, no, yeah, you do. And uh, I woke up the next morning, and to this day, I cherish every single thing. Um, she also took me to Sonic. She said, I'm gonna buy you lunch. I'm like, no, 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 I'm okay. <laughs> She's like, no, buy me a hamburger. That's a very good hamburger. And um uh, it was actually two days later when I met uh, Susan. Susan. Um, uh, because we did she didn't she didn't get the big stuff that day, it was just all the, the stuff. But she, She'd show me the couches and the furniture, and uh, it's about maybe one, two days tops. And Susan called and she says, "Hey, I got got some furniture for you." And these guys, two guys in a truck, pulled up, and they had the most beautiful couch and chair, glass coffee table, and end tables and lamps that had been donated from uh, the flight one of the flight service centers out at the airport. And she said, You know, we thought of you. And instead of taking it to, our house, to where we keep our stuff, we just came right here. And they carried it all in. I didn't have to carry anything, I didn't have to move anything. And um, I showed Jennifer and Sean about a month ago. They were helping another veteran. I seen them, and I just had him peek in the door. And they're like, You still got it? Kidding? Of course, I still got it. I'm very, very proud of that stuff. So that's how I met Jennifer and Susan. <laughs> yes. Are you a veteran? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, I uh, served from '85 to '94 in the world's finest navy as a petty officer second class, aviation hydraulic mechanic. Um, I got out because my grandma was dying of cancer, and I wanted to spend some time with her. And full intention to going back and finishing my twenty. And I just absolutely started making too much money on the outside, and I was in a, a alternative relationship, which back then wasn't. You know, um, so we decided to, we bought a house and stayed. Um, uh, did good for another 10, 15 years until life hit.
0: Mm-hmm. So what were you doing when you got out of the military the first time?
1: I went to Raytheon. I got on as an assistant foreman on the beach jet. they just bought it from Mitsubishi, and it was a mess, and they were redesigning it, and uh, I spent two years on that line helping— work out the bugs and get it certified, and, and, man, I pretty much ran that line. Because they, they, of my high level of energy, I was able, I have a great memory. I think I had every part number on that airplane memorized. <laughs> so that's kind of a go-to for everybody needing to know what's what, what, what they need, and yeah. it was very fast-paced, it was very, um, I went home in tears a lot at first, Yeah, you know, I was like, what have you, what have I done? <laughs> But once I got it down, man, it was a good job. Yeah,
0: how long did you work there?
1: I spent another five years there. I uh, once the line mellowed out, I got bored, and uh, so I put in and got a position over the flight service department as a corporate mechanic, and working on the corporate fleet. Very prestigious job, but got bored once again after a couple of years, and uh, I uh, had a nightclub. Very. Very, and I don't drink, so you know, for me and my partner, I just have somewhere to go and an early place, and became very popular. <laughs> Working my butt off there too, but uh, um, want the rest of that story too, real quick. I want all the stories. Oh Lord, here we go. Okay, you want it? All right. Hey, I I speak nothing but the truth. So, um, my girlfriend became addicted to cocaine because of it, and That's we were warned. Yes, because of the club. And we were warned about that. But she was a little more gullible, vulnerable than I was, I guess. And when I wasn't there, she'd be tending the bar and she would have people slipping her hair for free. And of course, you know, before long, she was paying for it. And I didn't know this at the time, but I noticed money was missing. And then it came out, and she had two kids that we were raising. You know, these kids were starting, they're just it. like, no, 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 no. We had a house and owned a home. And, a Great life, but I was like, uh-uh. the minute I found out, I uh had an offer for the bar. I sold the bar, quit my job, put my two-weeks notice in, put the house on the market, loaded everything up in the U-Haul, and we went back to Seattle, went back to the West Coast where I'd been. And uh, you know, my mom thought I was crazy. She was, what are you doing? You'll never have another job that good. You know, you're making... Nineteen bucks an hour, you'll never make that much money again. What's wrong with you? You're stupid. You're stupid. I'm a good old dysfunctional mother. I got to Seattle and I got a job at Boeing as a a 747 flight mechanic making $22 an hour. (laughs) Hey, Ma. Hey, look, Ma. I made it. (laughs) So it was absolutely the right thing to do. Now, of course, ten years later, the relationship did end up dissolving but not until the kids were you know, about out of high school. And they were three and six when we got together and they had a good life. And But, uh, so I don't, I have no regrets in life. Absolutely no regrets. I'd have done it again. Yeah. So it was, it was okay, but yeah.
0: So what happened between the time you were in Seattle and then you moved back here and met Jennifer?
1: Okay. Well, Tammy and I's relationship ended up dissolving in Seattle. and Her and the kids end up moving back. And I got kind of lonely up there. I ain't going to lie. It was, it was the most beautiful place on earth. And I had full intention to going back to the West Coast, the Oregon area, when I finished school. Because I I, I found the ocean very calming for me, the water and the mountains. You know what? Like Kansas? I get bored. <laughs> um, but so I came back to Wichita. And um, I got laid off, too. I got laid off of Boeing. So I moved back to Wichita. And... Uh, I went up to Lear for a while, worked out in their uh, flight department on the Challenger, and I was actually uh, one of Oprah's, uh, and Barbara Streisand, I worked on their planes. Yeah, I know what Oprah, I know what kind of chips Oprah likes, I never met her, you know, I was a mechanic, but um, just, I got tired of being the only girl, the first girl, you know, female A&P mechanics, you gotta understand, back then, and, and of course, you got that whatever they call it, where they got to have so many females, so many African-American. So I got jobs because I was a girl and an A&P mechanic, but I also had to prove myself to the guys, which I always did, because I was a very good worker. I wasn't one of them girls that hid out in the bathroom when there was work to be done. No, and I learned fast, but um, there was always a couple of them just thought I should be at home in the kitchen, didn't deserve to be there. They would sabotage your work, they would just... Just trying to make your life miserable, and after a while, I was just getting to that age where I got tired of, and, and so I actually was trying to leave aviation, and I went to work for Global Engineering, and I uh, started up uh, their shipping department uh, for they got a contract for Raytheon's uh, jet interior package, million dollar packages, and so I designed the the trailer and and the shipping and the packaging and on and making sure all the even the inspectors like, all the parts were right. Which, And uh, did a real good job. And after about a year and a half, when I got it all running smooth, oh, Global decided to give it to the stockroom to do, and let me go. It's like, thanks a lot. And that kind of hurt. And then I just did odd stuff, and and I wasn't making the money, but I didn't have kids involved, so it was okay. But then I got in another relationship, and uh, a couple kids involved again, and. It was with somebody that just, they they had a personality disorder that I was trying to understand and work with, and did okay for about three or four years, and then and, and, uh, that's when everything happened, and that's when I found out she was cheating on me, and uh, caught her pretty quick, too. She, she was pretty shocked, cause, but what I didn't know is for three or four months prior to that, she had stopped paying all the bills. The rent hadn't been paid. The utilities hadn't been paid. There were credit cards in my name that I didn't know about, I need to understand, I was making maybe 10 bucks an hour at best, and she didn't work. And so when, when I had to dissolve the relationship, and she, she her and, the, and I had actually made sure her and her kids had a nice place down the street and furniture, and I paid for a and bought her car. And then I found out the real, and by that point, I was getting an eviction notice. I had no money in the bank. I had no credit or ability to borrow because I, you know, left, and you know, I wasn't that middle, you know, lower middle class category anymore. And I, uh, I, lo- I lost everything, you know. I, I got the sheriff at my door, and I'm like, I got nowhere to go, and got no money. I went out to the VA. I'd been seeing a, a counselor out there anyway for that helped me dissolve my codependent relationship with my mom and free myself of that. Thank God, you know, it's okay not to know, but when you know better, you do better. And I didn't know that you're not supposed to die so your mom could live. Are you willing to die so somebody else could live? I'm like, no, then why are you doing it? And that's true. For 48 years of my life, I lived to serve my mother. Sick, but I didn't know. And so I went out to see Christina, and I, I said, Christina, and I told her what was going on. She said, you need to see a social worker. I said, no, I don't. Social workers are for abused kids. What do you you mean, a social worker? I'm 48 years old. I'm supposed to be an adult. I'm supposed to be all this, you know, have my shit together, and I got no support system. I got no family network. I don't, you know, I don't have friends that can help me. I said, no, Sean. So they took me into the little conference room down there, and, um, this lady came in, and she sat down and she says, "Tell me what's going on." And I sat there and just bawled and told her everything for about two hours. What I didn't know at the time was that was actually uh, Jennifer McGill from Catholic Charities. Yeah. And I didn't know I didn't know who this lady was, and then Courtney um, crazy' last name, came in, and she was a HUDVASH Vash counter from the VA, and they said, "We got you." Can you can you just hang on another day or two? I was like, yeah, I'll sleep in my car or whatever. And that's how the process began that they got me housed uh through that. Um but then uh, that was it. You know, they don't and Jennifer was in the process of um remodeling, they were in the process of remodeling the passageways house, and they had allowed another female veteran to stay there during that time, because there was no men there, and they were trying to, you know, work that out, and I would met this female veteran through the homeless program at the VA, and I, I was trying to befriend her. She was an older, she, she was an army nurse, but but um, I'd already realized that this person, you know, needed to be kept at arm's length, that she had things that I didn't agree with but you know I'm not gonna take her inventory um and she had violated Jennifer's trust and and done something that she, and Jennifer they needed to, to get her out of there and her name I'm not gonna mention any names yeah, not um and she really didn't have nowhere to go and she mentioned me and Jennifer says you know and they brought her to my apartment and this lady showed up, ah, and I'm like, okay, and I just got my apartment. and I'm like, okay, and, and this lady ran up the stairs real quick and into my apartment, and I'm left there with Jennifer, and it may have been Susan at the time, but there was another lady, I believe, with her. And she said, you know, I apologize, but you know, we've got all our stuff here in this car, and I, we need, I said, fine, you know, I understand, and you know, I apologize to you, and I, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but she can come here for 24 hours. And as I was helping as I was getting her stuff out of their car is when Jennifer and I met. And Jennifer was just like, What? <laughs> I said, Yeah, I just got here and I got no front. She's like, What? <laughs> Are you kidding? She says, You call me. And so we got, I got this lady on down the road the next day and I called Jennifer and Jennifer was just another angel and she came and she cut she she coveted me with her wings, and uh, and and she's just been an angel ever since, you know. And I've seen the work she does, and I've seen the veterans that they reach out to, and those are veterans that don't make it to the VA. Those are the veterans that still have their pride. Pride come before the fall, and those guys are falling because they can't swallow their pride and ask for help. They're lost in addiction and alcoholism. You know, addiction is just a symptom. These guys got something else going on, but probably never know. You know, they crawled into a bottle, but their pride keeps them under a bridge. And they're good people. They just don't know how to reach out, as a lot of us don't. And that's why Jennifer and Sean's learned to reach in. And thank God, because nobody else reaches in. They only, most people only help those who reach out. Very, very few people. Have the courage, have the strength, have the humanity to reach in. Jennifer does. We're blessed to have her. Absolutely, Jimmy.
0: <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story.
1: Uh, you're welcome. Did I share what you? Whatever you want. What did Absolutely. I,
0: yeah. The reason we do this is. We Hello. Want to, uh, to help passageways as much as possible, yes, because they're doing so much for so many people. Absolutely, and it's it's difficult to express <clears throat> like when you meet somebody and you say passageways helps
1: homeless people. Yeah, mm. right. That, that's not enough. That's, that's that's too simple. A lot of people help homeless people. Right. Passageways, passageways helps those nobody else can help. There's no other. There's no other facility. There's no other. There's my words. Now, hang on. There's no other line of help. There's no other. I don't know what I'm looking for. There's no other social work. There's no other community. There's no other facilitator. There's no other place.
0: So everybody else helps homeless people by giving them some stuff. Maybe giving them a place to stay for a couple days, Mm -hmm. giving them some advice and some resources. Mm -hmm. Passageways is different Mm -hmm. because what they do is they give you another shot at life. Yes, it's not just a a homeless shelter. Mm -hmm. It's a Mm -hmm. transition facility.
1: It's a homing. They give them a home. Passageways gives people a home. They put no limitations on you. They put no expectation. You're not required to work so many hours. You're not required. You're not on a deadline. You got you know thirty days. Passageways says, come on in, you know, don't drink in our place, don't do drugs in our place, but Passageways lets people be people and come to it in their own time. But Passageways lets people find themselves in their own time, and they just support them and love them until they come to love themselves. Well, Passageways loves those that don't know how to love themselves until they can love themselves. Passageways is one of a kind. One of a kind. All they ask for is respect. And that's because they want you to respect yourself. And how are you going to respect yourself if you don't respect others? So they say respect us because they know that through that, you're going to learn to respect yourself. You're going to learn maybe a shower does feel good, maybe a haircut, maybe some clean clothes, a warm bed. Respect us because they know that through that, you're going to respect yourselves. And they're going to love you until you can learn to love yourself again.
0: Absolutely,
1: It's a blessing. It's a gift. By the grace of God go I. And by the grace of God, we got them. I don't know how else to put it. They are one of a kind. There's no other place like them. None that I've ever known of.
0: I think you said it all.
1: Twelve minutes, bye! No,
0: I mean, I I think you, you said it all. There's nothing else left to say.
1: You know, when all this happened, one other blessing that came to me was the VA said, You know, you're eligible for a scholarship to go back to school because, you know, you were ran over by an airplane when you were on active duty and back when I got out I had the the I had the the smarts to listen to the elders. When I was getting out the older guys saying, When when you get out, um, make sure you go to the VA and get get um evaluated. I was like, no, no, no. Well, I did. I'm I'm smart. And they gave me a ten percent disability that I didn't think I'd ever need. At fifty years old, here I'm homeless, but because of that ten percent, I got a scholarship of vocational rehabilitation and I'm I'm going to school, I'm actually a junior and I'm like, wow, I win this kid, but to be a social worker or criminal justice to, to give back, to advocate because of what I've learned. So I'm going to school, and I'm going to graduate, and then I'm going to be able to do some of the stuff that Jennifer does. And I can't wait. And I have watched and learned from her, whether she knows it or not. I've been taking notes of how she handles people and how she sets boundaries but is non and Now she's always open with love, but yet you have to maintain the bottom line. And uh, so she's kind of a mentor to me, and I hope to... I hope to conduct myself in some of the ways I've seen her conduct herself someday, so I thank her more than she knows.
0: So what are you going to school for?
1: With social work. I was going to work with juvenile reform because, you know, I've always said anger shouldn't exist in this world. Anger is just misplaced pain. If we can help these kids work through their pain of being disrespected and dishonored and. Uh, then help them work through their pain, it doesn't turn to anger and resentment and violence and addiction. And let's get addiction on the front end of this instead of chasing it at the back end. But I've learned I don't have boundaries for these juveniles. They lie too good. And <laughs> and I am older and basically retired. I don't want to spend 10 hours a day in a juvenile facility. Just because you can do something don't mean you should. You know, just because you can do it don't mean you should do it. Uh, so I've actually changed to uh, criminal justice. And I've seen some things that... Oh, uh, mental health in the prison system. There are things, you know, a long time ago, they combined mental health and the prison reform to save money. And we've locked up a whole lot of kids that's got the mentality of a seven-year-old. And they're in there in IMAX and segregation for their whole time. Yeah, they need structure and they need supervision. Yeah, they got arson issues or whatever. But they use this thing called administrative segregation. That's where they keep them in segregation. they whole time. They're there ten, twenty years, sometimes for life, because they it's for the facility's best interest. Because they they cause problems in the in the in general population because they don't know don't touch people's stuff, you know. So it's just easier to keep them locked up. Well, these kids are dying. They don't come out of their cells. They feed them in there. They they don't they they're dying in there, and that's 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 torture. 2011, a United Nations torture specialist went on a rally to stop that. 26 states have, but many states haven't, and Kansas is one of them. And I want to be an activist for these kids. They need their own building, they need specially trained guards. They need, you know, there's a certain way to handle these people. You know, okay, I'll sharpen your pencils if you don't flood your toilet, but you don't gas them with chemicals in their cell and I'll make you clean it with your mouth and You don't do that. And we've got to learn how to handle that. And then somebody was telling me about podcasts, and they said, Sean, you can still do a podcast for the juveniles, because I still want to help the kids, too. But how do I do that? How do I do both? A podcast from my house, for the juveniles that are still at home, still suffering, to help them work through their pain so it doesn't turn to anger, violence, incarceration, addiction. So that's on my bucket list as well. So, so uh, try to try you're talking to the right guy about that, actually. So. I you know when you said po- when what was it? I said it Susan. Susan calls that you want to be on a podcast. I'm like, okay, it's like ding, like yep. <laughs> podcast. Here we go. And and then all of a sudden I thought I was in. one. I was like, are you seeing me on camera? Because I'm in there in my jammies and my. A- <laughs> I didn't know. I, I was sitting there going, okay, what Susan <laughs> what we got me into? Okay. But uh, yeah, so I've actually got some questions for you later. You know, maybe not today, but yeah, yeah. You got a smartphone. I do. Then you have
0: a podcast.
1: See, because I didn't know do you have to have all this high-dollar equipment. If so, I'll get it. I'll find a way. Nope. Where there's a will, there's a way. You know. um not yeah,
0: essay. you can do everything for yourself. And I'm
1: not in it for money. It, it's like, it was, WSU kind of did a, a article on me last month. And it's in the WSU online newsletter newspaper, and you'll see my picture. You send me that if you got that. Yeah. It, anyway, it says in there, and I didn't realize. Hour and a half talking to this kid. And what he took away from it, I was like, it was hard. But, but part of he said, you know, it's like I said, I'm not doing this for money. You know, I've chased money all my life. I don't, I don't do what I'm doing for money. I don't, you don't go to school to be an advocate. There's no money in advocacy work. Podcasts, I'm not doing it for money. You know, I, I hear people can make money at it. I'm, I, you know, radio station. I'm not doing this for money. I'm not, I'm not going to school to make, it's not for money. It's because I believe in it and I stand by that still. I still stand behind it, you know. Um, but there was one other thing he took in that article about the military, veterans. You know, people want to say thank you all the time for my service, my finances. What they don't understand is, I try to say thank you because you gave an 18-year-old a job that that had no prospects, that that had a lot to give but didn't know how to give, and came from a very dysfunctional home, and. I was at a point when I graduated high school, been kicked out of the house, didn't have the ability to go make good money except flipping burgers, and I had pride and dignity. You know, I'm 18. I don't want to flip burgers, but... And I, I'm i not a suicidal person. Never have been. I'm very My faith... Ooh, if it wasn't for me, believing in my God, the, the world would have made me kill myself because, you know, the world told me I was an abomination. God didn't love me for years. And if I didn't go home and, and have my God to tell me, yeah... Well, I was actually looking at a brick wall in my car at a long road and planning 100 miles an hour, no seat belt. I was just in this. And by the grace of God, I, found I ended up at a, at a recruiter's office, and I was instantly gone. And so people say, thank you. I like, no, thank you, because you gave me a got the job when I had nothing. You gave me a scholarship. You paid for me to go to school so I can try to continue doing what my passion is. Thank you. And I still want to say that to this day. Thank you.
0: Veterans Advocate Podcast. I'm doing everything I can to bring you guys awesome conversations. Hopefully you get something out of it. You know, I talk to a lot of veterans who've been through a lot of really interesting life scenarios and have come out of it with all kinds of knowledge and wisdom, and I want to share it with the world. And one way I can do that is by asking you guys to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If you do that, then you'll help me reach new people, and you never know, you might really help somebody who needs to hear some of this kind of stuff. So yeah, once again, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends. And you can check out the blog at www.veteransmentorship.com, where I'll have kind of a quick little recap about some of the things that I've learned along the way. And if you're interested, you can also check out some of the coaching things I do on the side. So if you've been through TAPS, if you've been through all of the transition assistance things that the military has to offer, and you're not quite impressed with them, and you need a little bit more help, I'm willing to help you so I can do that through my website at www.veteransmentorship.com.